This podcast is brought to you by the Administrative Committee of the Presbyterian Church in America, promoting the unity, purity, and progress of the church. Learn more about the Administrative Committee and support its work by visiting PCAAC.org. Welcome to Gifts and Graces. All Christians have communion in each other's gifts and graces, says the Westminster Confession. So on this podcast, we help you and your church benefit from the gifts and graces of other parts of Christ's body. Each episode, we bring you a seminar, sermon, or discussion from church leaders across the country and around the world designed to promote the unity, purity, and progress of the church. This is Gifts and Graces. On this episode of Gifts and Graces, we get to hear from Tony Souter as he considers what can be done about young people leaving the church. Tony Souter is the executive director of the Chattanooga Youth Network. This was originally recorded as a seminar delivered at the 2021 General Assembly. Let's listen as Tony Souter considers what can be done about the rise of young people leaving the church. Okay. Um, One of the things that uh, we've been thinking about is this. Um, The foundation that was just mentioned is called the Pine Tops Foundation. They state that if nothing changes, um, 35 to 42 million young people, which that's hard to get your head around, I mean, but 40, 35 to 42 million young people will exit the church by 2050. Now, the, the thing that's most startling to me and most challenging for, I hope, for the church is that these are young people that aren't strangers. These are in our midst. These are people that are walking by us in the halls that, that they're going to choose to exit the place that gives them, can give them the most hope for life, the church. God's designed it that way. That, that foundation study has, been a, has prompted us in a number of ways to think differently about um, what we're doing with young people in the church. This is a significant number, 59. Anybody in here 59? Okay, we got one 59er, but the reality is, is that this number represents the PCA. The PCA is the oldest denomination in the country. It doesn't mean that we've been around the longest. It means that our median age is higher than any other denomination. That should be startling as well, because even though we know we have young people that are coming into our church, they're not staying. And so we've got, we've got a, a problem, a challenge before us, but it's not unsolvable. It's not something that can't be addressed and can't be um, remedied, I think. So 59 is the median age, and we want to change that. Uh, something has ter- gone terribly wrong with how we're passing on the faith. So the reality is we are doing some really great things in how we're passing on the faith to the next generation, but there's something that is not right, and there's something that we need to kind of explore how we can help 
the emerging generations engage with the body of Christ in a way that they sense what God intends in the body of Christ, that they would know the sweetness of following Jesus with the people of God. That's what we want. So, um, raise your hand if you've seen or read this book, Faith for Exiles. So we've got several in the room uh, that have seen it and read it. We're gonna we're gonna say that, that those hands meant both. The uh, so <laughs> the um, they, which may or may not be true. So this this book is probably one of the. Uh, it's 2019. It's a Barna research book. Uh, the one thing that I like about it is, well, there's no, num numerous things I like about it, but um, it actually helps us think about the next generation differently than, and, and just doesn't give research about the, the dark side of young people leaving. It actually taps into what can be done that, that can change this trajectory that we're on um, as a denomination, but as a church in general in the U.S. And so uh, we're going to look at, there's, there's five things that they're, they're promoting, and we're going to look at those this, today, and then we're gonna, I'm going to zero in on one of those that I think is absolutely crucial. Okay, so, so the first thing shouldn't surprise us that experiencing intimacy with Jesus is a key factor on those young people staying connected to the church. Now, it makes sense that if I, if I haven't, um, if I don't have a, a vital relationship with Christ, he's not uh, the, the one that's giving me life in how I engage with the rest of life, then it's easy for uh, them to say, well, you know, this is just information. And, and I'm just gathering that information, and, and maybe I don't agree with this information, and so they're disengaging. So one of the things that needs to kind of move to the front of the, the, the row in our, how we engage with the next generation is how are we helping them to realize that um, walking with Jesus is a walk. It's a relationship. It's a real, alive. Jesus is alive. He's, when we invite him into our lives, he transforms and he lives within us. And it's not just about information and knowing the right things to say at the right times. That's a key component of young people staying the course and following Jesus for a lifetime. So, so when you think about, let me back this up for a second. When you think about the, the challenge of young people be engaging with, the, with Christ in a fresh and vital way, um, what are some of the things that come to your mind? You know, what would that look like? Well, you know, one of the things, this isn't, I'm not going to ask you to say, say what you think because, you know, you can't speak loud enough to get into this microphone and everybody would be disappointed um, on the recording. Uh, but the reality is that one of those things is probably going to be prayer. That the reality is that prayer is the most basic aspect of the Christian life. If someone is not praying well, then they can't be walking with God well. It's an impossibility. God has revealed himself in scriptures, in creation, and in Jesus. And one of the primary ways that we can respond to him is in prayer. And if, we, if you take prayer out of the, the equation, then there's not relationship. And so one of the key things that we need to start uh, moving to the front of the line with our young people and help, 
helping them to have a vital, life-giving relationship with Christ is in the realm of prayer. How do we help them to pray well? I mean, that's one of the questions that Jesus teaches how to pray. I don't think that that was just an accident that that was recorded there. That they were seeing something, that they were seeing relationship with Jesus and the Father that was unique and powerful, something they really hadn't seen in their religious society before. And they're saying, teach us how to do that. Teach us how to have relationship with the Father. That's, what, that's one of the key things. Now, I would say here, I'm going to propose one other thing. Thing. I mean, we could, that could be a whole seminar in itself, um, but it's not. Um, I'm going to propose this, this model. This is a, what I call the see, saver, share, discipleship process, cycle, what, however you want to frame that. But probably my wife has had severe health problems for 25 years. Um, during my daughter's middle school, high school, and college years, she was mostly bedridden. Um, with severe headaches, muscle pain, bone pain. Um, doctors couldn't get, get a handle on it. Um, her memory was going away. Her thinking ability was going away. Um, it's like Alzheimer's, but without the Alzheimer's. Now, num numerous, numerous would be like a thousand. Thousand nights, she would go to bed weeping, but we, and we pray that, that in the morning it would be different. Now, I'm sharing this with you because that, this is given context for this, for the see, save, share process. Because I had been walking with Jesus for some time up to that point, and I'm thinking the first two years into this, this severe trial, I was thinking, surely this has to go away. Nothing stays for that long. Boy, was I wrong, because it's still here, and it hasn't gone away. But I realized at that moment that I had to start I had to start walking with Jesus differently than I'd ever walked with him before in, in a way that I was experiencing Jesus on a daily basis in a real vital way. And so I frame it this way. I was hungry and a hunter for the greatness of God. I needed to see the greatness of God to fuel my soul so that I could continue caring for my wife and making sure that we could pursue, uh, survive another day. And another day, and another day. And by God's grace, we've been married 35 years. It'll be 36 in October. The, but see, saver, share is, is this. I was looking to see the greatness of God in Scripture, life, and creation. And, and then I was going to savor that, what I had seen in Scripture, life, and creation, for all it's worth. I was going to try to drain that dry so that I, I was filling up my soul with ex experiencing a relationship with the creator of the universe in Christ. And then I was going to talk about that with other, my, my daughters, my wife, and anybody that would listen. So see, saver, share. I think that's the rhythm of, of walking with God, and it just so happens to be the way I, I framed it. So, um, but it, scripture, life, and creation are the places that we can see the greatness of God, and we know that because that's what God tells us in Scripture. We can see His greatness in Scripture. So one of the things that happened with me, and the, the things that we can help young people, now this is, the, this is the application for what we're doing with the next generation, 
If experiencing intimacy with Jesus is a key component of young people, a young person staying the course, then we have to have some tools in our tool belt to be able to help them experience it differently than we've been doing up to now because they're leaving. We can't think that we've, we're doing it the way it's supposed to be done. Now, I'm sure each, each church represented in this, in this room is, is doing some amazing things in helping young people trust and treasure Christ. But we have to start thinking, what else can we do to help them to experience Christ in a way that's fresh and real and daily? Because that is going to be a key component of whether they stay the course. So I propose that C. Saver share because you can, if they start looking at the scriptures in their if they have a quiet time in the morning or whenever they're looking at the scripture and they're saying, where is the greatness of God here? And they hold it up and they drink it in and they're saying, I'm seeing the greatness of God in this passage this way. And they start taking notes and they, they start thanking the Lord for revealing himself in this passage in a profound way. And they can drink that in and then, then they can tell that to a friend at school. Then their whole life starts changing. They, they start seeing that God is, can infiltrate every aspect of their lives. And that's really what we want. We don't want them to do, do too much compartmentalizing. So, Sea Saver Share is one of the ways that I would recommend that that become a part of what you're doing. So, um, I introduced Sea Saver Share in the Pray For Me prayer guides as a way to help adults that are praying for young people to see the greatness of God. So, so the second thing is cultural discernment. Cultural discernment. Now, this makes sense. I mean, we are a very uh, smart denomination. Intellectually, we, we know how to think things through. Um, and we understand how do we un- engage with culture well. And so one of the things that we need to help young people is be able to have a Christian worldview that centered in, and I'm going to use that word again, centered in the greatness of God, and that he's the one that's driving this ship and helping them to see how he's driving and and engage with that. Now, there's a a lot of ministries that are helping churches help students to think worldview in a very helpful way. One of those is Summit Ministries. Um, So if you don't know any of these ministries, take notes, write that down. Summit Ministries is a great ministry that helps young people. They have a two-week conference in the summer, and they have multiple ones in the summer, where a young person can go and get a fire hydrant worth of, of information about how to think about walking with Jesus in our culture and discerning culture in a, um, in a wise and, and biblical way. Another along that side is the Worldview Academy, um, some more uh, resources are Center for Parent Youth Understanding. Uh, the guy that heads that up is Walt Mueller. He just, I just got his uh, Student's Guide to Navigating Culture, which is a great little book. I just got that the other day. Um, uh, a group called Axis. Have you, anybody know who, what Axis is? Okay. If you don't know what Axis is, I mean, if you don't know who any of these are, Write these down and go check them out because these are going to be resources that you want to tap into for your young people um, and for your parents of young people 
Access has a, a wealth of information to help you, help you as parents and adults in your church to be able to think biblically in how you're engaging with the young person about culture. And, and what we're finding is, and what Barna figured out, and what David Kinneman and Mark Matlock figured out, is that cultural discernment is a key component in, of whether somebody's going to stay the course in their faith. Because if they can't make sense of the world that they're in from a biblical standpoint, then what happens is they're breathing air that's against a biblical viewpoint every day. So we as a church and families need to help them understand how to discern what's going on from a biblical standpoint. And those are some of the resources and why this is so important. This was surprising to me, but I think it's, it's absolutely on spot, on point, is vocational discipleship. What they realized is that there's a whole segment of young people that are coming through the church, and they're getting their understanding of how to um, think about their vocations just from the world. And the church isn't helping to inform and to guide and helping them to sort out how to be a Christian lawyer, how to be a Christian carpenter, how to be a Christian whatever vocation they get into. Because too often, and this isn't the PCA, but too, too often what happens is that we, that if some, a young person wants to follow Christ, we automatically kind of start guiding them into being a pastor or some kind of ministry. Well, the fact is, is that ministry should happen in all of our vocations, whatever vocation is. It should. And helping young people to see that in, in the church is a key component. And um, at first I was surprised, but then as they went through that in the book, I was beginning to say, hey, this, is a, this is a key component in helping a young person think about how they've experienced Jesus and how they can bring that to what God's calling them to do in the world and how they can make a, make a difference and change the world for Christ in their vocation. Um, but one of the things that they did say in, in this, uh, the book, but also in a, uh, a if you want to get a, the condensed version, if you're not going to read the book, which that's many of us, that if you're not going to read the book, you can go to Focus on the Family. Focus on the Family did an inter, a two-part two interview with Mark Matlock and David Kinneman on this whole topic, on their book, but they're kind of looking at this, and, and you'll hear some really positive and encouraging and insightful pieces from those interviews. So that would be a good place to go. You just go to Focus on Family and um, search for David Kenneman, and you, it'll come up. So vocational discipleship. So we've got experiencing intimacy with Jesus. We've got cultural discernment, and we've got uh, vocational discipleship so far. And the last is, well, not the last, the fourth is uh, counter-cultural mission. Um, that's being able to swim upstream when every, the, whole, the whole of the world is going the other way. How do, we, how do we look like and be like Jesus in a world, um, and how do we help young people be like Jesus in a world that is, is going astray and going wonky? So... Um, we already do this in, in, a, in a number of good ways. Um, we do mission trips with young people, both domestic and foreign. We do service projects and helping them to take 
their belief in what they're doing with Jesus and make that, apply that in the local setting um, of your, around your church and you're serving people in your church. Being able to all, not just serve, but being able to articulate, here's my story and my, what I've experienced with Jesus with somebody else. Being able to articulate and verbalize and, and tell somebody about what it looks like to have faith um, in Christ. Because that's what they, they actually have a real experience with Christ, and it's daily, so that it's not too far off. It's, it's, it's getting back to the sea saver share. They've, been, they've seen the greatness of God, they've experienced it, they've savored it, and now they, it's, it's a natural overflow for them to share that with somebody else. That being countercultural in how they approach and engage with the world is absolutely crucial. Now, one of the things that um, the, all four of these are very, very important. But I, what I want to say is this. Is you've got the center, the center hub there is, I think, the most important piece. And that's the thing that, that all those four things, experience intimacy with Jesus, cultural discernment, vocational discipleship, and countercultural mission, they... They are absolutely important. We have to figure out how we're going to in, start inserting those into our ministry if they're not already there. We have to. Um, and we, have to, we can start looking through and say, okay, this lines up with countercultural mission. This, this activity, this program we're doing uh, lines up with cultural discernment. This is how we're helping parents deal with um, vocational discipleship. You know, we can figure that out, but there's one piece that, that they talk about in the book. If you went through the book, it would be the third category. I, I, I think it's in the center. There's five categories. It's in the center. They didn't do it on purpose like that. This is me talking. So the, uh, I think that the main thing is, the, is this right here. Uh, meaningful intergenerational relationships. That... Those other four things are not going to be able to happen if you don't have meaningful intergenerational relationships that are in place or you're developing those in your church. And, and I, can't, I can't say this strongly enough. I've been connected with youth ministry for 30-plus years, and I believe that God has ordained people to come alongside and be youth pastors and I want to affirm that role. But if we think because we have a youth pastor or a youth director that, that we can check that box and that we've solved this, the youth ministry problem, then we are dramatically confused about what needs to happen in, with young people today. Because if we're putting all that weight on that one youth leader to, to rally the the, the, the troops in such a way that, that all young people will see and, and enjoy and walk with Christ faithfully, then we're, we're, we're setting ourselves up for failure. And, and I think that that's why the, that they're at right now they're projecting so many young people leaving the church because it's just we do check it off when we get that youth pastor or that youth director because, you know, that's taken care of. Well, in some, in some ways, that is true-ish. 
in the, in the sense that you've got somebody that's, that's thinking about that daily. But I'm saying that the next, each emerging generation is something every generation should be thinking about daily. How we are investing in and helping the, each emerging generation trust and treasure Christ effectively should be on all of our minds. Not just the youth pastor, youth director, the volunteers, not just the parents of those children that seem to not be listening. Um, not just those. All of us. Now, I believe that resilient discipleship, that's what that whole book's about. How to, and they would say that only 10% of the young people that are coming through our churches are resilient disciples. And, but, and I would say that resilient discipleship is initiated and fortified through intergenerational relationships. So for me, and I hope what I'm saying wins you over to this truth and reality, is that intergenerational relationships are vital and they're non-negotiable and they have to move to center stage in how we're, for those other things to happen. Those other things aren't going to happen because they, without the intergenerational relationships, to the level that we need, the church needs them to happen, to the level that will bring our median age of, young pe of, of our churches down from 59 to maybe 49 or 39 because there's something that has to change. And so God's design has always been intergenerational relationships if, to help the, each emerging generation to flourish in faith and life. That's God's design. Um, and here's, here's a few passages that, that point to that. There's more, obviously, in, in Scripture. Um, I'd love Psalm 145.4, one generation will commend your greatness to the other and declare your mighty acts. I love the way the New American Standard says it. It says, one generation will praise your works to another and declare your mighty acts. That changes the whole dynamic. That gets back to the sea saver share. That gets back to adults that have been captured by the greatness of God. They can't contain what God's doing in them, and they have to share it. They have to praise it. They have to let the, somebody else know what God has done for them, and they want to share it. And that, that kind of ties into uh, the Psalm 78, no, no, Psalm 71, 17 and 18. Um, you have taught me from my youth, and I still declare your mighty acts. Um, even when I'm old and gray, or, and just bald, um, even when I'm old and gray or bald, you know, do not forsake me until I declare your work and your power to all those who are to come. So here's the psalmist. This is, the, this is a setting. The psalmist says, now he sees the end. He's not at the beginning of his journey. He's at the end of his journey. He's looking at the finish line, and he's saying, give me one more opportunity. Give me one more opportunity to tell the emerging generation how great you are, which presupposes one important thing, that we, the body of Christ, have to be treasuring God in a way that can't be contained, that we have to share what he's done in our lives with somebody else, with a young person. We have to figure out what those stories are of how God's shown up in our lives that is so provocative and so undeniably real 
that they cannot not be shared. I know that's not good grammar. They cannot not be shared. They have to be told to the young people. And, and this psalmist, who's my hero, he wants to make sure that he has one more opportunity. He's not going, as Piper would say, down to Florida to collect shells. He wants to have one more opportunity to tell another generation about the greatness of God. So the real question is, how are we going to do that? Uh, how can we get more adults connected with more young people more naturally than ever before? That's been a question that uh, our team um, it, at 100 years has been kind of digging into for a number of years. Um, but back in 2012, we, we dug into it for a number of months and realized that um, there are some things that we can do. And one of those things is that start thinking differently about ministry to young people. Start thinking in how do we craft, help a young person to craft a constellation of adults around them. What if we measured ministry to the next generation? Or as parents, what if we measured how we're doing, not just if we're doing the things that we should be doing, um, engaging with our children when we rise up, when we lie down, as we walk along the way, not just doing that, but we're also thinking, who, do we, who am I helping to be part of my son's or daughter's constellation of relationships. What if we thought in those, those terms? What if we thought as a church, what if we looked at um, all the young people that are in our churches and thought not just um, did we teach them these things, because we we're going to teach certain things, but, but one of the measuring sticks is that how have we helped them to craft a constellation of people that love and support them to help them to flourish both in their faith and in their life. What can that look like? Well, research from Sticky Faith says that this is kind of a, a type of five different categories of people. Parents, I would say parents, family, grandparents, that kind of grouping, youth workers, friends in church, friends outside of church, and then this one down here in the bottom right corner, adults within the congregation. Now, uh, intentionally, the one down here in the, the bottom right-hand corner, um, adults within the congregation, that's over at the end. If I had a bigger scale you know, screen, it would have been further away from the center because the research shows that the average young people does not have very many relationships with adults in the church. And and that's one of the reasons why it's easy for them to exit the church because they, they're looking at the church unlike you're looking at the church. Here's how you look at the church. You're going to the church and you're seeing all the people of God that, that have engaged with you, that have supported you, have encouraged you. You see them as the family of God. A young person doesn't see it that way. They have different glasses on. Their lenses are totally different. They're looking at the church. Of the, there's a bunch of adults that are walking by me right now. And they, I don't understand why, why, who they are. And if I can just get through this crowd to my friends at the other side, that'll be great. That is a, a challenge because many of the young people, one of the primary reasons that they're disconnecting is because 
because it's easy to leave an institution. It's hard to leave a family. We have to help young people start viewing, and not just viewing, not just an intellectual thing. This is the body of Christ. That we're all together. We're, we're working. It's not that. It's not just a viewing and intellectual thing. That we need to help them experience that these are the people of God that, we, that I'm part of. I'm part of this. And, and we as Presbyterians, this should be more a part of how the, the we live and breathe in the air that we take in. And young people in our churches should know that not just know, they would be, should be experiencing the sweetness of what it means to be in the family of God, maybe more so than any other denomination, or not any other church, because of the covenant, we, the way that we think about it, the way that we think we think about it, but we have to do some things differently. How do we help, how do we help young people get connected with Adults within the church in a natural and winsome way. Now, if you know me at all, and which you, most of you do, probably do not, um, and, but you picked up a thing called the Pray For Me campaign coming in, that is a big piece of our answer to that problem. If, if you were asking me, how, how can you, in, a, in a, a big way, in a not just a piecemeal way, but in a big way, help every young person in your churches have the relationships they need to flourish in faith and life, I would say that you need to consider strongly utilizing the, the benefits of the Pray For Me campaign, which is structured this way. Students and families invite three adults from three different generations because we want them to taste the sweetness of what it looks like to follow Jesus in, at every stage of life. So they invite adults from three different generations to be what we call their prayer champions. Not because of the best prayers around, but that because they're willing to champion the cause of this young person before the throne of God. So they invite three adults from three different generations to be their prayer champions for a school year, and they use the prayer guide to help them pray scripture. The adults use a prayer guide to help them pray scripture for the young people through seven essential categories. So so this is what it looks like. If, a, if a, a young person is in sixth grade and your church launched the Pray For Me campaign, they would have three adults from different generations that year. The next year, you launch it again. It's, it, there's not, there wouldn't be a time when you would, want, would not want them to have three more adults because the next year, they get three new adults. The, the ones that prayed for them last year will no longer be their official prayer champions. You get three new prayer champions and what happens is that those adults that are praying for them the first year are to continue to pray for them. It's not like they stop praying for them. They still pray for them. And then if they did it from sixth grade to 12th grade, that would be 21 different adults outside of their family, outside of the youth ministry, outside of the things that you already have in place that that would, be, would have intentionally prayed for and cared for them in a specific way. If it was done through, from kindergarten through college, it would be 51 different adults. And it can be done that way. Many churches won't do it that way. But that, and that's not my concern. My concern is that how can we offer something that can help a church 
radically change how young people are engaging with the adults in their church and have the resources, relational resources, that they need to flourish in faith and life. Because if we go back to that, that the, let's go back. Let's, let's, we can go back. I have power to go back. I don't have to stay where I was. If we go back and we look at these four outside things that, that need to be inserted if they're not already in what you're doing with the next generation, the, the ability for them to succeed is based on how well that you're developing intergenerational relationships because most every person that comes to Christ, it's not every, I'm saying most, most every person that, that is experiencing Christ, has come to know Christ, and is walking with Jesus, his, an adult has helped them to do that. Adults are going to help young people have cultural discernment. Adults are going to help young people have vocational understanding of how to walk with Christ in the workplace. Adults are going to help young people understand how to swim upstream when everything else is wanting to go downstream. We have to help create the relational resources that must be in place for young people to flourish in faith and life if we want to change in the settings that we live in, our churches, if we want... We're willing to do something to help that setting change. Because we, the 35 to 42 million, I can't get my head around. You might be able to. I can't. I think about how can I help my daughters follow Jesus faithfully. And so I'm going to think about their constellation. I'm going to think about who can I get to help speak into their life and pray for them and and the Pray For Me campaign obviously has a number of benefits. One is that it's rooted in, in dependence on God. It's rooted in prayer. It's rooted in helping adults pray scripture for a young person through seven categories, which come from Luke 2.52. Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. The essentials in that passage are wisdom and, and favor. Stature is not an essential. Everybody grows in stature except for me. I'm seeing if you're still paying attention. Um, the other five, thank you. Um, the other five essentials come from 1 Timothy 4.12. Don't let anybody look down on your youth, but in your speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Set an example for all the believers. Now, I consider those the essentials because you know, G, Luke could have said anything he wanted to about Jesus' life. But he said those things, that Jesus grew in this, these ways. Paul could have said anything he wanted to to Timothy when he was challenging him to make sure that he, could, he was going to set an example for all the believers in Timothy, in 1 Timothy. But he said, pay attention to these things. And you do this, you'll be able to set an example for all the believers. So helping adults pray scripture through those, the lens of those seven essential categories has been crucial. So here's the... A young person. Can we at, the seven again? Yes, I can. I can. Thank you. Thank you. I love that boldness. <laughs> seven essential categories are um, uh, wisdom and favor. And I'm going to do it this way. I'll do it this way. They come from Luke 2.52 and 1 Timothy 4.12. 
Um, the seven categories, the way that I've structured them in the prayer guide are this way. Favor is the foundation. There's nothing that, we, that happens in our life that is, that is apart from the favor of God. The fact that, that you have ears to hear and I have a vocals to vocal, favor of God. The fact that I can move my hand this way if I wanted to is favor of God. Every aspect of our lives is the favor of God, and we need what do you have that you haven't received? And if you've received it, why do you boast as though you did not? We are receivers for the favor of God. So that's the foundation. We don't want to forget the foundation. It's easy to forget foundations in buildings. We don't need to forget the foundation of, of how we live and breathe and move and exist because it's God's favor that we live and move and breathe and exist. So that's the, the foundation. The next four are... Wisdom, love, faith, and purity. I call those the core four. That's what God, that we're, God's doing stuff inside of us. And not just inside of us, in the young people that we're praying for. We're praying that God would strengthen and bolster and help their wisdom. That they would have a long-term view to make wise, short-term decisions. But we're also praying that, that their love for God and for others gets very, very large. And they're not, it's not just self-focused, self-love. Then their faith would become astronomically strong and committed towards Christ. Um, and then purity, that they would walk in holiness, that they would know the holiness of God and that they would embrace that. So they were, those are the things that God is doing inside of us. Then the, the last two are what I call the PR pair or public relations pair, speech and conduct. That's where we go public with what God's been doing or what's been happening on the inside of us. Now, sure, we can fake our, what's happening inside of us in our speech and our conduct, but we can only do that for so long. Sooner or later, reality of what's in here is going to come out in my speech and my conduct. And so when we're praying for the next generation, we're praying that God's favor would just wash over them in, in how they embrace wisdom, faith, love, faith, and purity, and how they live for God in their speech and their conduct, that they would honor God and bless others. So that, that's, those are the seven, what I call seven essentials, because they encompass most, of, if not all, of life. Now, obviously, you can, you can drill down and pray for more specific things, but this is giving you tracks to run on, and that the prayer guides help kind of pray through those lenses. So, and we're going to have a, uh, a question and answer time at the, at the end. Um, so, a student invites three adults from different generations to be their prayer champions. That's not just three relationships. That's a student gets three new relationships, but if this, if this person over here on the left-hand corner is a 25-year-old, a 45-year-old, you know, and a 65-year-old, those are all intergenerational relationships too. And they're, they're speaking into the life of each other because for the first time, there maybe these three adults that maybe didn't know each other well at all or at all, now they are on mission together praying for Billy or Susie, whoever the student is. So they actually, they are um, concerned. So when they see each other in the hall, they say, have you talked to Tony lately? 
Well, no, I haven't, but I did hear, I talked to his mom, and here's some things that we can pray for. And so they pray together. So what happens is there's layers of benefit that happen as a result of the Pray For Me campaign. Students get the relational resources they need to flourish in faith and life. That's why we started it. But community happens in the body of Christ, and that's what most churches want. I don't know hardly any church that doesn't want community, um, but this actually fuels community because it's, it's connecting adults from different generations together on mission with the next generation. Then third, it actually bolsters prayer, what hap- the prayer effort in that church. Towards the next generation, yes, but, but on a whole, people are praying more and, and expecting God and in, in looking to God in new ways and fresh ways, which changes their own experience of intimacy with Jesus, which is what we want to. So there's layers of benefit there. Um, so like I said before, there's 51 intergenerational relationships that could happen with a young person if they did it from kindergarten through college. Now, every one of our churches, when we're at a, a baptism, at a baptism, we ask the congregation to partner with this family and promise. And it just and it depends on how your, your words happen. It could be a promise, vow, pledge. You know, you're, you're saying something that you're going to help this, this family with this child that is even before kindergarten. <laughs> so, um, and I'm finding that many times we don't have much in place that really is helping that to really become a reality. You can hear more talks like this by subscribing to the Gifts and Graces podcast. You can also hear more content like this by attending a seminar at General Assembly. They are free and open to the public. Find out times and locations by visiting pcaga.org. Thanks for listening to Gifts and Graces.